Welcome everyone to this Auto Finance News Weekly Wrap with uh, Joey Pizzolatto and Nicole Kasperson. I'm JJ Hornblast. Thanks for joining. Uh, this is the Weekly Wrap uh, for April 24th, covering uh, the week of April 20, 2020, and it was a very busy week for Auto Finance News, uh, starting with uh, Allies' earnings and financial uh, performance, and I know that's something that you looked at, Nicole. Maybe you want to talk about that to kick us off. Sure, yeah. So Ally Financial did kick off uh, the week with its earnings um, and set aside $2.8 billion in retail auto reserves, um, which is a $1.8 billion year-over-year increase, uh, making up a majority of the lender's total $3.2 billion in firm-wide loss reserves. Um, that aspect was really interesting to see what they put away, just given the economic crisis. Um, and on top of that, the new Cecil adoption. Um, in addition, uh, Ally saw a 50% drop in originations alongside a decline in car sales and that reduced dealership activity. Um, so it'll be interesting to see just how that kind of continues to maybe trickle down um, into their future earnings uh, moving forward this year. I thought what was interesting was that this, first of all, that the 50% decline matches the 50% decline in the overall market. So they're definitely uh, paralleling the overall car sales market. But there was also uh, an article that we wrote this week uh, that indicated that that 40 to 50% decline in car sales for the US market actually isn't that bad or it could be worse, I should say, um, compared to other markets, Europe and China. Um, and that's, I guess, uh, a bit of a silver lining considering, I mean, these are terrible numbers, uh, you know, no doubt about it, but I guess it could be worse. Um, you have thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, it's telling um, most of the uh, top lenders in the space, right, Ally, um, and even some of the captives um, have already shown, you know, this 50% drop um, in volume. And, you know, when the top players are, are experiencing that, it's just, it can only be so telling as to how that must be for um, even the folks with smaller books um, and the declines that they're seeing as well. Um, so it, it, it's not, there, it, there are articles saying that it isn't as bad as it could be, um, I think it's because there's this hope that the bounce back may be fast once uh, the economy reopens, but, you know, no one has a crystal ball. So it'll be kind of interesting to just see how it plays out if that bounce back is as fast um, as folks are hoping, or if it'll kind of be a more of a slow, um, you know, growth. Well, there was still some news this week of uh, even more OEMs, of additional OEMs slowing their production or stopping their production. So that's still going on. So I, I guess it's not ha happening anytime soon, um, but we hope it'll uh, rebound quickly. Um, but one great indication of the slowdown in the market is the Mannheim used, Mannheim used car index, Joey. Uh, tell us what, what we found, what we learned this week about that. So maybe uh, a little different. Um, for the first time ever, they released a mid-month uh, kind of guidepost, if you will, um, on the vehicle value index. And for the first two weeks in April, 
um, which is amounts to 15 days. Uh, the index dropped 11.6% um, when compared to March, the entire month, and 9.6% year over year. So if vehicle values hold steady for the rest of the month and that trend continues, the drop-off will set a record and outpace wholesale value depreciation uh, the industry saw in November 2008. Um, on the other hand, uh, another interesting point about the index is retail prices are holding steady. They dropped about 1%. Um, by comparison, in 2008, retail um, values dropped in tandem with the wholesale values, which suggests that perhaps the market is viewing the slowdown as a temporary thing rather than a long-term um, reaction to a deep recession. I think you got to assume that uh, the lease losses uh, for, or the uh, losses on residuals for the lessors um, is going to be uh, steep um, through much of the year. I mean, this is not something that just, you know, kind of turns on a dime. There, you know, you've written about the, the volume of, lease, of vehicles coming off lease in the near term. I mean, these are big numbers. I saw, you know, numbers uh, in the billions on losses uh, for some of the major lessors. Mm. Well, um, the chances of, of high losses on residuals for off lease is, um, is, is pretty high. Um, it's still pretty early to even forecast what that might look like. Um, yeah. March saw, uh, the figure escapes me right now, but um, almost over half of the vehicles that were supposed to come off lease were extended. Um, and the same thing, uh, I believe, for the majority of April. Now, um, in the coming months, we have even more cars coming off of lease. Uh, and so we'll, we'll, be, we'll have a better understanding once those extended lease cars come back to market, how that kind of, uh, how much residual value is lost for these lenders and uh, how much that affects uh, used car prices. Uh, historically, the last time there was a major episode of lease losses, it resulted in a, uh, a retrenchment of leasing for an extended period of time. Like, you know, lessors got burned and they just didn't want to lease for a long period of time. So my sense is, is that uh, you'll see lease uh, prices or costs to the consumer going up significantly in, in the, the medium term. And, and that I think will have um, uh, some lasting effect on leasing uh, until it kind of, you know, these losses um, work their way out of the system. Mm -hmm. um, this week was also uh, earnings week. Always a good time. Always uh, plenty to do. I know you've both been very much preoccupied. So uh, who took which leasing, which uh, earnings? Um, so I think, uh, Nicole, you were on Fifth Third this week, right? Yes. Um, yeah, so Fifth Third was um, also interesting. Um, so they went ahead and set aside um, $129 million, um, in reserve build uh, for credit losses, which is a $70 million increase um, since year-end 2019. And that's just for their indirect consumer loan book, which is made up mostly of auto loans. 
Um, but of that, um, that is kind of small compared with the firm-wide uh, reserve, which is $2.5 billion. Um, however, the, the bank's um, indirect auto portfolio did uh, increase almost 30% year over year, um, and their net charge-offs improved too. So clearly they haven't really experienced too much yet of that, that drop-off um, due, to, due to COVID. Um, also from a liquidity perspective, the bank does sit on a comfortable 80 billion of available liquidity, which is including um, a 4.1 billion in cash held by Fifth Third Bank Corp, its holding company. So clearly kind of having that backing of a holding company is um, very beneficial in Fifth Third's case. Yeah, the thing that stands out to me about that um, that provision for credit loss there, the number might not seem that great. What would you say? 126, right? 129 million. 129. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not that great. But when you consider the fact that fifth third is really super prime, it's, it's this, it's the prime of, of the super prime segment. Um, that actually, and you know, really is, a, is is actually a notable number. Joey, which earnings did you look at this week? Uh, Truist Bank. Truist. What, what's I've never heard of that bank. Oh, there. <laughs> okay, so Truist. What happened at Truist? So, so the highlight of Truist, um, you know, in terms of just auto, uh, was you know a majority of of their three hundred thirty thousand deferrals uh, that are due to the coronavirus outbreak are current. Um, the bank's chief risk officer mentioned, um, which includes uh, the bank's subprime auto book. Now that's a good indicator of consumers' financial health prior to the temporary shutdowns um, we've seen over the last six weeks. And as I mentioned, uh, the market is kind of viewing this as a quote-unquote temporary shutdown for now, at least. Um, mm -hmm. But still, Truist is also, you know, on the bandwagon of padding loss reserves um, due to coronavirus and Cecil. Um, it increased allowance for credit losses under Cecil uh, to $5 billion, which is a $1.4 billion increase from uh, year-end 2019. And then added by the end of the first quarter another $600 million in response to coronavirus. Um, now, if you want to break that down, uh, 142 million of that is designated to auto for this quarter. Um, and the bank hasn't seen um, any increase in net charge-offs or delinquencies uh, during the first quarter. Now, to be fair, most of the de deferral programs uh, that have been released are tentatively, tentatively scheduled to expire in the second quarter. So I would imagine the second quarter is when we would actually see the fallout of how many how many uh, consumers are really impacted by by this right? Who, how many will become current and how many will remain? Exactly. Yeah, that's a that's a huge that that's a huge one to to look for. Last night was Cap One. Cap One earnings came out about five. Um, so kind of I guess sort of uh, similar to Fifth Third, Nicole in that they increased their provision for credit losses by three times, which is just staggering, staggering. Um, but yet they were able to turn year-over-year -year originations higher 23%, uh, which is also kind of shocking. Uh, I guess January and February were, they got it in while they could. Um, so they increased their originations to 7.5 billion. 
Final point to make uh, before we go for the week is uh, key news. Ferrari has announced that they're introducing two new models this year. If that doesn't make everyone who's in quarantine salivate, I don't know what will. They're up. They're up uh, dating their 488 GTB into an electric uh, model. Presumably, that's the rumor. And also updating the Portofino, a beautiful car. So that should uh, leave everyone with a fine image uh, for the weekend. Uh, Nicole, Joey, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in.